Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. I'm Jessica. And joining us again, we have the illustrious Andy Klosky of Blackfall Press. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back, guys. Happy Always New good Year. to have you. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. It's great to have you back. Always a pleasure. Well, good. Glad to see you. Well, we'll go ahead and get straight into it after we're done saying glad to have you. Let's all just talk about how glad we are to be here. We are. We're all very glad to hear. So glad. So uh, we had a poll, and there was a clear winner this time around because there were no competitors. Yep. Your choices were spirit magic, spirit magic, spirit magic, and blood magic. Just kidding. It's spirit. No, magic. So it's all spirit magic. <laughs> we'll talk. I'm about, still waiting on the blood magic one. We'll, we'll talk about blood <laughs> we'll magic when the blood mage comes along. But for yep. now, we're gonna go with the four standard ones, the four mostly legal ones. Relatively. <laughs> In comparison to blood magic, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, and of course, we're going to give a quick shout out to our friends at the D20 Radio Network. There's been an interesting development now that the year 2017 is closed. The Movie Defenders have released their 13th episode, and it is a very special episode for them because it is their first annual Defender Awards for 2017. Mm. The Movie Defenders, for those of you who don't know, are folks who go back and look at popular movies that have been in the mainstream that have gotten a lot of flack and they try to find redeeming qualities about those movies the thing and then they go for the bigger things like Wonder Woman or The Last Jedi and they address the criticisms and say what they think is redeeming about the movie and so this is uh, they're taking a look back at 2017 they're having their own personal Oscars uh, handing out their own best picture and the best actor and etc etc they're gonna look at their favorite movies of 2017 that so, sounds really good lots we'll yeah. to tune in mm-hmm. 2017 wasn't a bad year for movies it was they should have a lot to talk about that well, is exactly. true there were quite I mean people are divided but I still feel <laughs> it was an excellent year for movies I mm-hmm. was very pleased with the results of my theater-going experiences. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so, we do have a little bit to talk about first of this week in Thetis. You aren't worried I'll just make it up as I go? Not at all. You'll need to hear the whole story. Welcome to This Week in Thetis. Dragon Age 4 is more or less officially confirmed to be in development by both Bioware's Mark Dara, the executive producer, and Casey Hudson, the general manager. Uh, There's no title, no trailer, no release date yet, just that it's currently in development, (coughs) alongside Anthem, of course, and they're claiming it's going to be very story and character focused and will include continued storytelling after the main story. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm intrigued. Pretty much (laughs) exactly what we want. Oh, uh, I'm wondering how much that's going to that's going to come in the form of DLC versus uh, uh, something where they have like in-universe events or or mm-hmm. something along those lines. I could see that. <laughs> um, Expect to pay extra for it. Is right. The... Well, <laughs> I we think... live in the age of uh, loot boxes. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> that we do. Yeah, we actually just watched a video from Extra Credits. Those folks are really cool. You should check them out. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, pre- I, yeah. I, they are on my daily watch list. I was <laughs> literally extra history? listening to them at work. 
Do you do extra history? Because we yes. are in love with the extra history section. Um, the I got into it. I, I did a lot of work in crusade in crusades history in undergrad. So okay. I got I, oh. I found their first crusades videos and started getting into those. Did you watch the most recent one about Madame Ching? Yes, oh. it was incredible. So brilliant. So cool. There's a lot of really good inspiration in there for, honestly, a lot of storytelling. Because they tell it in the form of a story. Maybe we should have that as a sort of post-show thing. And it could be, yeah. That would be a good post-show topic. That's a fair, that's oh, a fair yeah. thing. Yeah. If I'm if, still awake. If we're all still awake and we feel like doing a post-show, we'll talk about it. Sounds good. Sure. Incidentally, we've got a lot to talk about on this episode. Because first, we're going to have to go consult that codex. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. Our first question comes from Andy so Klosky. You, say, some guy you've probably never heard of him, you know. it's, it's just I, a... uh, I've never met him. I mean... <laughs> he seems kind of cool, I guess. He seems like a nice dude. <laughs> you, we, we should introduce you sometime. <laughs> At some point. So, uh, this mysterious Andy Klosky's question... Was uh, what alterations might you make to represent the unique nature of Avar spellcasting? Would you offer benefits or drawbacks from spirit possession? What happens if one of the parties refuses to leave, such as with Sigrid Golzdotten? Would there be any direct impact on the spells being cast? I imagine that Avar are particularly adept at the spirit magic school and perhaps entropy. How might we alter the already sp- existing spellcasting rules and spell list to reflect Avar culture? And. It, it least, seems you've already done some of this work already, looking ahead in the notes I, there. I did do a little bit of work already. I'm pretty excited <laughs> about it, uh, especially because this is the spirit magic episode, and these folks mm-hmm. are very heavily focused on spirit magic. It seemed very appropriate. Um, personally, I am usually not... I am all for not fixing what isn't broken, and I think that the Dragon Age spellcasting stuff works just fine. Um but for folks who want to get a little more involved, I did write a couple extra things. Uh, because when Avar begin their mage training, they bond with a spirit, or as they call them, gods. Uh, and the god guides the mage along with the augur of the Avar hold along the path of learning how their powers work and how they can best use them. While their spellcasting, at least I would probably guess, isn't likely, likely isn't too different from a normal circle mage or even a self-trained apostate, it should have some considerations... At the very least, they should have their own background or even their own specialization. And since the topic is spirit magic, we should ho- they should hopefully serve you well. Uh, incidentally, you should probably stick around for the Distant Verses segment. Mm-hmm. So I hope that answers your question, if you got to see it already. I, I did, in fact, and when, when we get there, um, I, I might have some feedback for you. But okay. what, what really struck me about the Avar mm-hmm. is... For the for the circle mage and for the apostate, you know, you know, within the majority of Thetis, we look at how ostracized mages are. Either we're mm. going to put them in the circle, or we're going to literally hunt them. With the Avar, magic is just part of like they do, and where where we got the uh, the Dalish keepers as a specialization, that's the that's the sort of specialization that I felt like the Avar might really need. So, needless I, to say, I, I would was definitely excited agree with to see that. what you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. And I think I think all spellcasters, specialized spellcasters, should have their own specializations. I bet even Tevinter's probably got a couple of weird ones. It'll be interesting um, to see if, if <clears throat> the rumors regarding Dragon Age 4 are true, if mm-hmm. we w- might see some Tevinter spellcasting uh, traditions here well, in I the mean, future. 
If they're fancy to venture spellcasters, you can just take blood mage. I'm just. <laughs> I mean, you're not taking Blood Mage, but you're taking Blood Mage. I mean, I thought that when we were fighting those weird Harlequin things in Inquisition, those guys seemed kind of magey because they were like popping in and out of everywhere, and but also knife fighting you. It was. It, it felt. It felt like there was probably at least if they weren't a mage, they had some really slick magic items. My my thought with them was if like if I had to stat them up, maybe like a shadow. Yeah. Um, with that specialization, mm-hmm. very stealth focused, mm-hmm. very sneaky, yes. and pop in and out that would probably be it and then uh well so thank you andy for the question i suppose we'll be answering it in full later on and we can go back and forth about it um this next question comes from our good friend of the show parcival on the green writing forums hey how's it going <laughs> uh parcival asks do you think there is a way that the barrier spell from dragon age inquisition computer game can be introduced into our pen and paper game without unbalancing it I'd like to think I'm wrong, as I prefer to see our game take on as many aspects of the computer games as possible, but I'm thinking that combining barrier and healing magic, one that could revive the fallen Dragon Age Inquisition, fallen in Dragon Age Inquisition, but healing dependent on potions, could make certain groups very difficult to defeat. And yeah. I agree that you're probably right about this, Parcival. I think barrier would be, at least the way it works in Inquisition, would either be a bit cumbersome to include in the tabletop game and could be something that kind of pushes it a little too far in one direction because Mm -hmm. in the game it adds an extra health bar that slowly decreases and then if you take damage it comes off the barrier first so you could maybe like have it give folks temporary hit points that start to degrade but then that's bookkeeping in between rounds balancing the amount of hit points it should be giving is Mm -hmm. going to be quite difficult and because there actually is healing magic in the tabletop role-playing game as opposed to Inquisition when the only healing spell was Revival, mm-hmm. then it's it, it probably has a better place in Inquisition than the tabletop game, but, you know, maybe Green Ronin will surprise us with something. As a counterpoint, mm-hmm. I might offer... You could potentially, at least for specifically single-target heal spells, like mm-hmm. heal... Um, hmm. You could replace that potentially with a barrier spell that you get, you know, a d6 plus uh, plus the caster's magic in in temporary hit points. These last for one minute. Okay. And so by the end of the encounter, they they will automatically fade. In that way, you sort of end up with a just like in Inquisition, you end up with a buffer ahead of someone's hit points that uh, would be eroded away instead of you know. Taking damage and then healing back up. Um, I think that sounds good. I, mm-hmm. You it, would probably not want to t- allow the spirit healer in that case, however, as that could throw that balance into the... This is true. You touch one domino and others start to fall there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't think it would be impossible, but it would take a lot of a lot of jury rigging and mm-hmm. uh, some a little bit of mess, but mm-hmm. that might be one, one mm-hmm. method to go. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe keep an like eye on, a, keep an eye on the the DA forums. I might uh, yeah. I might um, start playing around with this. Okay, maybe like an area of effect tiny bonus to defense. Like everyone in the area gets a plus two for I mean, a couple, for like your magic. There are rounds. already spells that do that. Right, it's true. And honestly, thinking about the spells that do that, they're usually much more restrictive than that. Yeah, that would probably require some uh, requirements before you actually get there. So. Trixie, in a game that has much smaller numbers than the video games, mm-hmm. 
But I, I, I would agree. I think it's doable. I think it's perfectly doable. I think you have to exercise a great deal of caution before you mm-hmm. did so. Like, I think unless you drastically alter some rules, it's probably not going to work out super well. But mm-hmm. if you do, then you could very feasibly do it. Yes. Oh, we have a little furry friend joining us. <laughs> oh, I, I, in fact, I do as well, actually. Walter <laughs> decided to uh, oh, climb up on the chair beside me All right. and try to claw my hand. <laughs> oh, fair enough. You know, that's how they do. Oh, charming. Mm-hmm. All right. So thank you, Parsifal. Food, good food for thought, and maybe mm-hmm. we'll come back to that later. Uh, next question comes from Drunkle Grog through our email. I love that name. That's, yes. uh, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. That is an excellent name. Apparently that's the name of his character in his campaign. All right, then. Uh, who managed to apparently survive and also accidentally kidnap Sovereign children, Sovereign's children? Oh. You know. Well. Like, like you do. Charmed life. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Drunkle Grog's question was, how do you use red herrings in-game to misdirect characters? As a GM, when should you use them, and when should you not use them? And uh, what he probably means by red herrings is is usually in games of intrigue, or 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 games of investigation, red herrings can mean false leads, or a false front that's been put up, or uh, maybe a lead that the PCs follow that goes to a dead end. And... Mm-hmm. That can be a really fine line to walk mm-hmm. because on one level, especially if you're especially if you're going to run for a convention game where where instead of sitting down for session after session, you have four hours to get from point A to point B. It can be very difficult to put those in. But even within the context of a of a sit down full campaign. I would argue, use this very judiciously. Yes. If, if someone is taking it upon themselves to, to investigate something of note, um, it's because they genuinely think there's something here for me to find. Mm-hmm. Now, not to say they're going to find every t- everything every time they look, but rather, if they're, if they're going to commit significant resources, if they're going to commit significant time towards doing something... Generally speaking, as a GM, it's it's up to you to shape the narrative such that that pays off in some way, even yeah. if it's not necessarily the way they intended. Yes. You now, should use it as kind of like a stepping stone to the next arc of the adventure, mm-hmm. as opposed to it just being wasted time. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. That said, I, I have been known to, especially in convention games... Um, I'm actually writing one right now for the uh, role-playing game that I'm alpha testing that, it, that is effectively a murder mystery. It's, it's right. a scenario based on In the Name of the Rose, uh, and an abbot is dead in an abbey, and you have 24 hours to discover the killer, and or you're probably going to be beheaded. Ooh. So, yeah, nothing like, a, nothing like a ticking clock motivator. No kidding. So within that context, there's within that adventure and within a lot of the adventures I've, I've written and used over time, there's going to be false leads. There are going to be deliberate, you know, misdirections. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to say that they're not important, because let me tell you, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on in that uh, in that uh, in that abbey. But that's fair enough. <laughs> that's done specifically and deliberately, like. 
you really have to think about, okay, how much time is this going to take up, and is this worth that time? So, at least within this context, yeah, I think that's going to be. But mm-hmm. it's it's a matter of time and resources versus uh, versus what that's going to add to your plot. Yes, and it's there, true. There's no hard and fast rule here. And even if, you know, it was an investigation that was maybe a red herring for the investigation the PCs were initially on... Maybe it leads to further mystery. Maybe the culprit was trying to deflect attention towards somebody, but you and but they ended up deflecting attention towards further intrigue. So mm-hmm. now the PCs have two mysteries to unravel. One of the absolute best ways I've found to make a world seem dynamic is to have someone from not necessarily an opposing group, but an interested third party being active and pursuing a a goal within proximity of you know your heroes and their adver- adversaries yes uh, i think about casino royale mm-hmm. where you have you know james bond and you have le chiffre uh playing at the baccarat game and then oh it just so happens felix Leiter is in the is in the room too and he has similar if competing goals all right so that's a good time I think that's a well-answered question right there. Sounds like some adventures to have in Val Royale. Oh, yeah. I imagine red herrings in Val Royale would go hand in hand. <laughs> Maybe a couple of red jennies go along with them, too. <laughs> that would be great. Interested third party pursuing a goal <laughs> sounds like a plan. I think so. Uh, so thank you for the question, Drunkle Grog, Parsifal, Andy. Uh, if you have a question about the Dragon Age RPG, whether it's mechanics, build suggestions, questions about lore, clarifications about old episodes, or anything else, send a message to Podcast at gmail.com, send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, t- Google+, or SoundCloud accounts, or send a mess- personal message to Cont the Protector or Healer Puff on the Green Running forums, or send a message to Cont or Lease on the D20 radio forums. That's, That's us. us. Still is. Hasn't stopped being us. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this is exciting. We haven't actually. I think it's been a couple episodes since we've actually had a populated dissonant versus Korean and fan it is creations. This time it is. Yes. So Solid. why don't we go ahead and open our books to those dissonant verses? Do you ever wonder what lies at the edges of the map, past the seas? No. I think we have enough to worry about on this continent. Uh, of course, but. <sighs> Welcome to Them Dissonant Verses. Uh, we've got two, uh, two, three things on the docket right now. The first one is Andy's Gen Con games. Uh, it is a rarity that I actually get to run games that are not something I've, I've written on mm-hmm. uh, at major conventions anymore. But uh, this year going to Gen Con, I'm, I've been teaming with the Cincinnati Gaming Arsenal. Okay. Uh, to kind of pool hours and you know get badges and hotel rooms and all that lovely all right. loveliness to cut down on costs, and one of their big pushes is to uh, to run games that are specifically in demand. Uh, one of which is, of course, Dragon Age. Woo! So I decided to sit down and and after doing all that work on my uh, on my Inquisition era campaign uh, not too long ago, decided to sit down and write up a scenario that I'm calling Silver Wings on a Black Wall. I like it. That's a lovely name. I, I thought it was fitting. It is, of course, you know, literally as the Inquisition has progressed, uh, 
Uh, so if you are if you decide to come to this game, you can expect spoilers uh, for that. Make sure you've played through Inquisition, at least the base game, before uh, coming to sit down at a table with us, because this is set after the fall of Adamant Fortress, and the Inquisitor has sent a group of Sister Nightingale's agents, i.e. the PCs, along with Warden Stroud, back to Weishaupt Fortress in the Anderfels in the hopes to forge an alliance against the Venatori. Very nice. So, I can already tell that some particular choices have been made in that game. A little bit. A little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. So so that's exciting. I will be running that on Thursday at 7 p.m., Friday at 7 p.m., and then Sunday at 9 a.m. for all of you early birds on the last day of the con. Gotcha. Uh, So uh, keep an eye on the event schedule once that goes live if you'd like to uh, sling some dice. Please do. Check it out. Sounds super exciting. We'll have to see if we've got room in our schedules. Oh, man. Yeah. It'll be you rough. We'll have to fit it in. Mm-hmm. Oh, we would love to. We would absolutely love to. This seems like All a right. super cool story. Uh, and we are also going to add uh, a little note about WitCon. Yes. Uh, WitCon is the uh, the gaming convention I actually helped found when I was in undergrad. It is now in its 15th year. Nice. It, uh, WitCon is March 24th in Springfield, Ohio on the scenic campus of Wittenberg University. Um, it is a one-day gaming convention. Uh, uh, doors open at 9 a.m. First games go off at 10. Uh, runs until midnight for a low, low cost of five dollars. Wow! Uh, that gets you admission to games all day. Uh, our live-action orc and pie dungeon. And this year uh, we are apparently having a live-action Robo Rally. Whoa! Uh, that's a that's new on the schedule this year. Oh, man. Uh, we have we have a uh, we have a small vendor hall and artist hall. We have a, a phenomenal raffle. Uh, Bookery Fantasy from Fairborn gives us about three to four hundred dollars worth of games every year to wow. raffle off, uh, uh, as well as our costume contest. Uh, and that your five dollar admission con- uh, contains a uh, entry into all those things, as well as a free pizza and pop dinner from Beaver Creek Pizza Dive. Nice. Uh, so this is open to the public uh, over in the Wittenberg University Shovelin Center. So if you're within driving distance of Springfield, you know, the Columbus, Dayton, Cincinnati, you know, Indiana. <laughs> the uh, blooming. You, uh, you, are, you are more than welcome uh, to come join us. I will be running the unpub room there all uh, during the day. Uh, which is unpublished board games and, and prototype board games. And then in the evening, I will actually be playtesting uh, that scenario I just mentioned, uh, the uh, the murder mystery uh, nice. one with my system, De Civitatis Dei. All right. That does sound like a good time. We should, we'll, we, if we can attend, we'd love to. Yes. Although, before we move on, I would like to go back to the incredibly interestingly named but woefully underexplained Orc and Pie Dungeon. <laughs> I agree, okay. actually. Elaborate for me, please. I did, I did run past that a little fast, didn't you I? You did, you um, did. I was, uh, I was perplexed. Back in the days of 3rd th- uh, edition D&D, you know, Monty Cook on his website uh, put up a, an adventure that was the world's shortest yet complete uh, D&D adventure, which was a 10-foot by 10-foot room with an orc in it who has a pie. And your objective is, of course, kill the orc and take the pie. <laughs> so, my my good friend, uh, my good friend Eric, uh, has taken this, and we take we take a room at our convention, and you it is a fifteen minute timed LARP, 
during which <laughs> you had you take on the role of a mighty adventurer in search of the orc's pie. So, uh, and we have the room gritted out and in full oh D&D style. <laughs> and you have 15 minutes to either defeat or trick or incapacitate or slay the orc and abscond with his pie. And in fact, if you escape with, with the pie, uh, which is a pie, large pie token, um, you get real pie. Actual, <laughs> nice. honest to God, pie. Um, we have, uh, he has a partnership with a bakery that he, uh, manages to get some, uh, some pies and, uh, that is, is your reward uh, if you do the, if you succeed at the, uh, WitCon live action, uh, Orc and Pie Dungeon. That's amazing. Dungeon. That is 100% amazing. I feel like people should come to this for that alone. Oh man. It, that makes it worth the price of admission. There, uh, there is no other convention that has that. Well, I mean, also if you pay $5 elsewhere, they're just going to give you a piece of pie, but like here you get... You know, an entire. And you get to beat up an you orc. You get pie, and you get to beat up an orc, and you get the rest of the con. Like, what a deal. It's not bad. Not bad. Oh, we're going to have to consider that. <laughs> that, that, that. That pie deal definitely sweetens the pot. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we should probably move on. Uh. You st- I believe we still have a couple more uh, things to talk uh, about yes. in our dissonant verses. It's true. Indeed. Someone's been busy. Yeah. Someone I, has been busy. I managed to get these out today. I was pretty excited. Uh, so, if you want Avar Mages to stand out in your campaigns, I wrote a couple of options that I'll be sharing on the blog post and on our website's resources for your game page. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably post them on the on the Green Running forums as well. Let's all and, be real. We knew you were going to do it. I mean, eventually. Uh, the first is the Avar Apprentice background. This is a background specifically designed for folks who want to play a mage Avar and want to have the Avar flavor, you know, represented in the statistics. But the Avar background itself is just warrior and rogue, and the apostate is maybe a bit general for such a very specific and very interesting flavor of apostate. Mm-hmm. So, um, I've got the whole thing written out, and I won't bore you with the whole thing. You can check it out for yourself on our on our blog and on the web, and on the forums and whatnot. Um, I won't read out the whole thing to you because it would take a little bit. It would take a while. Uh, I will point out that it is. Uh, let's see that I did make a particular decision with it that I thought was very important for Avar Mages. Is that one of the ability focuses you can choose is Magic Spirit. Which mm-hmm. is not something that any of the other mage backgrounds really let you do. You don't; they don't give you mage uh, magic focuses right out of the gate. But I thought that for Avar, it made the most sense. I, uh, I, yeah. Oh, you go ahead. I'll go next. Especially for for one that that trucks so much with 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 spirit magic. You know. Oh yeah. Inherently, I was actually. Uh, Eyeing up the other ability focus, uh, bargaining. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that just seems so fitting for I uh, so. someone who's literally negotiating with spirits. I agree. Yeah. You're going back and forth between the spirits and the people of your hold, so it made sense to me. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I would con- like, I think those are perfect. The only thing I would consider an alteration to is uh, you have them adding one to their magic ability. I would consider yes. adding one to willpower instead. You think so? Because mm. they are regularly letting themselves become abominations, and the only thing that keeps them from being true abominations mm-hmm. is the fact that they have the willpower to deny that. Yes. Mm. Fair so, enough. That's a, good, that's a good in lore uh, that makes a lot of sense. 
Fair and it's also a decent limiter because giving someone a mage background where you get plus one to magic is, mm-hmm. and giving them the spirit focus as one of their fo- ability mm-hmm. focuses to Bic mm-hmm. could be a bit too appealing as a choice. Mm-hmm. It, there are a couple other backgrounds that give you magic as a bonus ability, but they don't give you the focuses. Yeah. I think that might be a good balance and mm-hmm. a good in-world thing okay. to have it be willpower. Fair enough. I might I might offer one other uh, nitpick. Uh-huh. Uh, for the for the on the uh, the two d six table, mm-hmm. I might offer instead of Constitution swimming, I might offer climbing. Okay, mm. I could see that. Too. I could see that. I was mostly uh, looking at the Avar, the Avar background, and just kind of and swapping out the ones that made more sense. Mm-hmm. But that's uh, cool. yeah, I I think that's perfect. I think, I think swimming and climbing, either one really works. But I can also yeah. definitely see climbing being a reasonable choice. For folks who live in the mountains, you know. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But yeah, another. I think it looks really good. Well, thank you. I'm I'm excited for it. We'll have to write some more of these sometime. <laughs> uh, and then next, we uh, I went ahead and wrote an auger specialization for mages. Of course, you have to be a mage. The requirement is that you have to have communication and magic three or higher, and spirit magic novice talent. Just like spirit mage. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, and um, I wrote down Avar only. Mm-hmm. Although I might put a question mark next to it because. I wasn't sure if I wanted to leave it open for everybody to take, because the Avar might not be too juiced about sharing their secrets. I mean, that's where I learned my specialization. It's true. So, But, uh, yeah, I think generally making it limited to Avar and then letting uh, letting individual GMs make their yeah. allowances make the is probably a good way to do it. Fair enough. There will always be special snowflakes out there. Oh, yes. Yes, there will. That's what, what homebrews for. Yep, that's what mm-hmm. that's what PCs are. They're just a whole bunch of special snowflakes. <laughs> Very special snowflakes. Um, I won't read this whole thing out to you with because I, some of these get a little wordy. But so um, mm. I will just leave it to you folks to check it out on the blog, or check it yes. out on the forums. And I'm I'm pretty happy with it. I thought it was pretty cool. Definitely, it uh, it fits the flavor of the the Avar. It gives and it gives them something definitely unique uh, with the the idea of spirit communion, mm-hmm. uh, having a spirit inhabit them, and giving them uh, some some bennies for having done that. And even more so, I appreciate the fact that it wasn't necessarily a combat utility type thing. Mm-hmm. Like it it takes it takes a what five minutes to perform a to yes. form a communion ritual. Uh, one so minute to a, do the novice degree ritual and five minutes to do the master yeah. degree ritual. Okay, so um, so it's something that you you prepare for and takes time mm-hmm. uh, ahead of ahead of a combat. So. That makes a lot of sense yeah. to me. Yeah. It would be disrespectful to just go kicking down the doors of the gods and ask them to come yeah. help you help you out in the middle of a fight. You have to ask politely. Exactly. It's, you know, we, it's about the respect. Precisely. All right. Well, I think it looks really good. Well, thank, thank you, you, dear. Definitely. Thank you. Um, you can, of course, find all of these submissions and more archived in our resources for your game page on our blog, wonderswithatistpodcast.wordpress.com. If you'd like to share your or someone's custom Dragon Age with RPG content, with their permission, please, uh, send a message to wonderswithatistpodcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, Plus, or SoundCloud accounts, or send a personal message to Kant the Protector or Healerpuff on the Green Running forums, or send a message to Kant or Lise on the D20 radio forums. Still us. Still us. All right, well, uh... I don't know about you, but I'm ready to get into the spirit of this uh, Let's do it. podcasting business. I, am, I Actually, when I was writing the title for this episode, I realized we'd already used that joke when we did the Spirit Mage. Mm-hmm. I was very distraught. 
Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, <laughs> maybe this will lift your spirits. Uh, Here we go. Andy's on the board. This is the main topic for today. Is it fate or chance? I can never decide. Welcome to the main topic. We've got, uh, let's see, we've got a big topic to cover here because this I'm is a so really crazy school. About this. Um, this is so my favorite. We're talking about spirit magic. It's Woo! the last school that we haven't talked about yet, <laughs> and it's it's a really good capstone, I think, for finishing off this discussion of magical schools. Y'all, this is such a good school. It's a really good school. Have, have I mentioned uh, more? Like, have <laughs> I mentioned at least once, maybe more than once, maybe frequently, how great this school is? This school's great. <laughs> So, Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> well, I will. So what is spirit magic? Spirit magic is the first of the two schools of energy, balanced by the primal school. Spirit magic deals with the forces all around us, uh, but while primal magic deals with the very visceral nature, natural uh, energies of cold and fire and earth and lightning, spirit magic deals with the subtle machinations and uh, ebbs and flows all around us that move through our natural world. Its power is drawn directly from the Fade, and this power is used for a very wide range of applications. This school is the most versatile school in Dragon Age, and you would never be remiss to even grab a few spells. Uh, sadly, this school is somewhat esoteric and is sometimes mm -hmm. mistaken for blood magic, not unlike entropy. Or at the very least, for, you know, abomination stuff. Yeah, abomination yeah. stuff, definitely. If you want to do a little bit of everything, this school is a great school for generalist spellcasters. Uh, the pros of spellcasting with spirit magic is access to some of the outright best spells and most iconic from the game, such as Mind Blast, Telekinetic Weapons, Dispel mm. Magic, Pull of the Abyss, and Crushing Prison. Mm. Uh, of course, it has lots of versatility. There are, let's see, there are too many effects to count, even though I counted many. And uh, you never have to deal with elemental immunities, resistances, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So if you throw one of these spells at a dragon, it's not going to say, sorry, it's immune to fire. Nope, force damage. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there, and see, it is not a perfect school. Uh, there is, of course, a stigma around spirit magic. Reaching directly into the Fade means that you probably spend a lot of time very close to the spirits, and folks are probably going to look at you a little funny. Especially the Dalish. Especially the Dalish. <laughs> Yeah, uh -huh, uh -huh. they don't particularly. They the Dalish think Oops. that dealing with any kind of spirits is dangerous, so they they tend to focus more on creation and primal magic. So spirit magic's a no no. Yeah, to say nothing of the circle who are going to start looking at you playing around with spirits as hey that guy's about to become an abomination. Someone call the Templar. Yeah, there's there's a two step program here. The first question is, are you win? If the answer <laughs> is no, you're probably in trouble. <laughs> that is that is correct. Um, some of the better spells are higher up the various trees and can leave you feeling less than functional until you've gained access to them. It's it's some bit of a slow start sometimes. Although to be fair, mind blast you get right away and can make hilarious use of. You're immediately. gonna get a lot. Of, gonna get a lot out of that one. My uh, the elven keeper that I had in that scenic Dunsmith game, uh, she she made hilarious use of mind blast. Uh, oh, I and another love spell it. that uh, that I'll make mention of when we when we get to it. Mm -hmm. uh, high versatility means you're not quite as good at those who specialize like a primalist or an entropist. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, what does spirit do? 
What doesn't it do? What doesn't it? It's a balanced school. Uh, There are 30 spells among the spirit school. It's actually more than any other school. Uh, There are 10 attack spells, which of course is dwarfed by primal and entropy, but that's what they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are six defense spells, which is more than the other three schools combined. Uh, There are five enhancement spells, more than any other school, and nine utility spells, which is only beaten by creation, who has 19 of them. It's kind Uh, of creation's deal. It's their thing. Um, (laughs) Now, while it can do things that the other schools do, spirit is generally weaker in those areas than other schools. However, this is the best school for defense and and for battling other magic users. Mm Mm-hmm. So, we've got a couple of ta- of trees of spells to go through, uh, and we'll just go down the list um, from A and see from uh, Arcane Bolt to Walking Bomb. And, oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, the first is the Arcane Bolt tree. This, of course, is Arcane Bolt, Arcane Shield, and Fade Shield. Mm-hmm. This is a tree of slight offense and very solid defense. Um, Arcane Bolt is somewhat underwhelming as an attack spell. At level 1, it's it's pretty solid. Just 2d6 plus the Dragon Dice casting, uh, the Dragon Dice roll for the cat for the damage. If they make a dexterity acrobatics check, it's just a d6. Yeah, and it's not penetrating. Correct. Um, it does... It, 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 it's effectively a little boost over your Arcane Lance. Yes. And once you hit higher levels, once it's hit, actually worse than your Arcane Lance. Once you hit 9th level, then you can use Power Lance to make your, uh, make your Arcane Lance deal 2d6 plus your magic, so... Which by then should be more than uh, the Dragon Die. Hopefully. And um, they don't get a... However, it is also worth noting it is one of the cheapest spells to cast. Uh, especially once you get that uh, journeyman degree of spirit mm-hmm. magic, it costs one mana to cast it. Pew! Of course, so, again, magic lands cost nothing. Right. Or arcane lands but, cost nothing. Uh, arcane lands, especially once you start getting to ninth level, has access to the spell lance, to, uh, to the spell lance uh, stunt, which you can add this with. And spell lance has you make a spellcasting check, but it does not say you can't generate stunt points on it. Uh, and this is a very cheap alternative to just fire, especially once you get to 12th level and can do lightning attack for cheap. If you roll a lot of stun points with your arcane lance, you get a magic missile barrage, essentially. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. That, that's a neat little combo there. <laughs> I thought that was fun. Um, arcane shield, uh, which comes after arcane bolt, makes your defense equal to your spell power, which does include your magic spirit focus if you have it. It can get a little expensive, probably when you learn it the first time, but it is a very powerful defensive buff. That's a good. Mm. That's a good spell. Uh, and this only gets better when you take Fade Shield, which increases your spell power by two before making your defense equal <laughs> to your spell power. Which means Let's that not just only make you the best. At not this. only is your defense incredible, your spells are also all more powerful. If you if you don't shell out the feet tax for uh, for. Rock armor, you probably need to be looking at Fade Shield and Arcane Shield. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Uh-huh. It's true. If, if you don't take one, you uh, you either take the other or prepare to have a very short life. Yes. Correct. Alright. Uh, next in line is the Mana Drain Tree. This includes Mana Drain, Mana Cleanse, Spell Might, Mana Clash, and Invigorate. Uh, these are all an excellent set of buff spells. Um... Mana Drain, Mana Cleanse, and Mana Clash are very useful if you expect to fight spellcasters. Things like campaigns against rival apostates, or magical duels into Vinter, or duels between Urvani Seers, or ship-to-ship mage combat on the Waking Sea. I don't know. Just mm. a couple of ideas. Um, 
If you put on both Mana Drain and Mana Cleanse, you get the choice of draining mana from your foe or spending mana to keep them keep people from around you from casting spells. This makes them both great battlefield control spells. Uh, mana Drain is particularly insidious because you just put it on somebody and if they fail the test, then for the rest of the encounter, whenever they cast a spell, they have to pay an extra, which goes to you. Oof. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's a quick way to put the kibosh on any other magic user. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Oh, I'm sorry, baby. It's all right. Excuse me. Uh, you And uh, Mana Clash is... Mana Clash is a mean, mean spell. Especially uh, if you use it creatively. Oh, yes. Uh, especially because even if you resist the spell, most of the effects still happen to you. Happen to the enemy. Um you just if they you they make a magic spirit test against your spell power if they fail they take penetrating damage and they lose mana points and take additional damage for every two mana points that you spend over the cost of the original spell when the original spell only costs 10 mana so if you want to burn somebody out real quick you can spend mm-hmm. a lot of mana on it and even if they resist they still lose the mana and uh, if you have quick the novice, novice level of quick reflexes, then you can chug a lyrium potion after doing so. You know. And if you have that master degree in spirit magic, and it can re-roll that, uh, the, uh, the dice for regaining mana, then you know. So useful. It's so, it's absurdly <laughs> useful. Feels like something fun I should probably try later. I was completely blown away by the spirit magic mastery. Ability, oh, like, yeah. Because the others are all so piddly. Like, plus the one to defense. One, right. The primal one's okay. Right. Not compared to this. I mean, this one is by this far is like, away. Oh, you know that thing that you absolutely rely on? You can do it twice if you need to. Like, <laughs> you win. It's true. It's so good. <laughs> and then uh, kind of the outlier on this, once you take uh, Mana Drain, you gain access. Was it? Oh, go back up. Was mm-hmm. it? Uh, when um, you take, yes. When you take Mana Drain, you can take Mana Cleanse as the next spell, but you also unlock the Invigorate spell, which is a very solid buff for being so how cheap it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does rely on you and your allies rolling lots of doubles and generating stunt points. It's. I think it's everybody. Let's see. I. Th- I think all friends in the in the encounter always generate. Uh, everybody within ten yards always generates one extra stun point when they generate stun points. Normally, it only lasts a round, but it only costs four mana, um, and you can extend it for another round for one mana point each round. Yeah, that's is, a, it, it. Makes for a cheap buff, but obviously it's it's so luck dependent that yes. you know, you got to make sure that your allies are able to take advantage of that. That said. Who doesn't like extra stunt points? Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do it. It's cool. If you've got a lucky party, go for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Um, and especially if you're got if you're all drinking things like potions of fortune and skill to get more yeah. stunt points, or you're past level eleven and you're getting extra stunt points, you know, just stack them on stack them on up. And then uh, next is the the mind blast tree. This is my favorite tree. This is oh. Because this is a very, very good tree. This is the best one. This is a very good tree if you're a player. And if you, if you want to be a really mean GM, it's a very good tree to use. You keep taking my stuff and using it against me. I, I mean, I gotta. 
<laughs> Why not? It's it's there. Uh, this is a battlefield controlling tree with debuffs, immobilizing spells, and a buff for your allies, and even some out of combat uses for the sim spells in the tree. It is a very powerful road to take if you invest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mind blast opens up possibility. Open like makes uh, three spells become legal for you all of a sudden. Yes, no, that's that's uh, mind bla- mind blowing actually. Well, huh. um, <laughs> but I mean, even if it didn't do that, even if it, it's a recommendable spell uh, on its own. Even like, if it didn't do that, it's still awesome. It guarantee knocks over literally everyone but a flying enemy. And if you have a GM who's fairly reasonable, someone with the guardian ability who's got their guardian stands activated, probably not going to get knocked down by this. But they could still lose their action. It's true. But still, everyone, there's no test to not get knocked down. And if you're dealing with somebody who has a low strength... Like a mage. Like, say, another mage... Like I have, we have nearly died to mages, and then I'll just start sit. I'll get up there and I'll cast this and just stun lock them, and they can't get. They Ugh. keep losing their action. Yep. I keep knocking it, them it's down. It's caster yo-yo, is what it is. It's true. It's amazing. <laughs> Lots of GMs really dislike this spell for that oh, yeah. exact reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mind blast saw many many uses uh, in the hands of uh, our elven uh, our elven keeper. I bet she uh, just. <laughs> Um, it was kidding? it was her go-to when she whenever she didn't have another combat spell that seemed applicable. Right. Worst comes to worst, smash them into the ground. My God, and it only costs three mana. Um, it costs yeah, it's uh, it costs two if you have the spirit the yeah. spirit I mean, journeyman. Even if you don't, you can still get it with a spell lance. Mm-hmm. Ugh, man. Yep. So. I guess you should probably take Mind Blast or something. It's so good. It's 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 okay. Well, and then so many of the things that come after it are also incredible. It's true. Like, uh, let's, let's keep going. Let's, let's keep going down this road of ours. Um, force Field, which I, comes after Mind Blast, lets you either take someone out of the fight or protect someone who is in a bad place. You put a bubble around them, and they can't take physical damage. Or, and like, and, or move. Or uh, they also can't move, and they can't attack through the they can't attack through it they can cast spells through it um but like spell effects like a fireball or even inferno can't go in mm-hmm. uh, and attacks can't go in they're immune to damage um that said that this said, is a hilarious debuff right because there's because there's no test to get away from it if they cast it on you you're just you're in just there. stuck it is a little expensive to maintain it's 10 mana to cast it and then five mana to keep it going and for like uh, a spell that only has a record like a second tier spell that kind of expensive it is pricey but but for the effect that you're getting oh oh here comes that charging warrior who's going to engage us so his uh, so his archer allies can soften <laughs> us up with arrows Boop. he's now out of the fight mm-hmm. Boop. we'll deal with him in 10 rounds <laughs> you hang out for a bit and um, if there are non-direct damaging effects from spells, those go through. Like if somebody casts Daze on somebody who is in a, a shield in a force field, it still works on them. Or heal. Or heal. Correct. Well, actually, you'd have to touch them to do heal, but gotcha. group heal group will go heal. through. Just group fine. heal will go through. That's right. Um, also unlocked by Mind Blast is the Levitate spell, and this one has a thousand and one uses for creative players or GMs. Yes. It's telekinesis. You never, ever underestimate levitate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We bypassed a trapped stairway because we had a giant rug that we were able to use, and I put everyone on it, <laughs> and then levitated the rug over the stairs. 
you know, divided up the strength and, and dexterity, kept my eyes on the rug, and just floated us over the stairs. There were three traps on the stairs. They were very, very, they were all very, deadly. They were very mean <laughs> stairs. Like step on, take on one step. You're activating three traps. Like we yes. we knew we couldn't uh, we couldn't get rid of the traps in time. So and we there just was like uh, like the, and they're like four d six penetrating damage for each one. Ooh. It was bad. That's it was how? it was a bad. It was a bad day. <laughs> I got very excited doing the traps in, uh, let's see, in one particular adventure because there was a master trapsmith. And I was like, you know, I've never used these rules. Let's go with it. And she levitates a rug, and that's how they got past it. Well, you got us with so many traps before it's true. that. It's true. Fair enough. I let you have your fun. Um, also unlocked by Mind Blast is the Memory Spell, which is a, an excellent storytelling spell mm-hmm. and can be useful for, to make people forget that they saw you. You can touch somebody's head and make them either recall or forget a single specific memory, and it has to be something that they actually experienced. And recent as well. And fairly recent, and it can't be longer than, like, your magic in hours, but it's usually going to be probably a lot shorter than that. Yeah, um, this is the one that uh, my player, uh, Katarina, <laughs> pulling. Uh-oh. And Good. actually ended up using on a party member. Oh. Oh, jeez. Um, that party member uh, kind of went turncoat. Uh, he sided with this uh, with this time controlling blood mage, Ooh. and you know he, w- he was scarred in this horrible accident. And he was hoping that the blood mage could turn back time, so he so he you know would have his appearance and Aww. his brother back again. Aww, and and meanwhile, she's totally losing control of all this magical energy because messing with time in Thetis is a bad idea. <laughs> it doesn't yes. go very well. No, it does not. So, um, so after defeating uh, Magda there, the um, the party was wondering what to do with him, and in the midst of them discussing whether to take him prisoner or whether they could trust him, she just reaches out a palm and says, Memory, you forget the last two hours. <laughs> well... Sir Osric does not remember the last two minutes. <laughs> nice dodge, Gary. <laughs> nice dodge, Gary. By the yep. way, if you've never watched, uh, for uh, <laughs> listeners out there, if you've never watched any of the Gamers series of movies, do so. The second one is my favorite. Oh, I've got to break that out again. So good. I so, cried the first time, just nonstop <laughs> crying. I was laughing so hard. It's good stuff. Um, now, if you've got Force Field, you also, or no, um, or maybe... It's Force Field is the... Uh, is that the oh, requirement for, for that one? Well, for Repulsion Field. Oh, you're field, right, you're no. right. Okay, Force Field unlocks Repulsion Field, um, which does what it, it does. It does call out that it specifically targets enemies, and that's worth remembering. Uh, it can be quite useful for posi- controlling the positioning of the fight. Mm-hmm. It's kind of unique, especially from, like, Glyph of uh, Repulsion, where you just draw a glyph on the ground and push people away. Um, Repulsion Field is actually an uh, aura that sticks with you, you have to keep paying mana to keep it, but every other round, starting on the round that you cast it, it creates a wave that pushes enemies away and knocks them prone. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they, and in this one, unlike the creation one, it's, a, it's not quite as good as the creation version, simply because they actually get a test to avoid being knocked away. It's true. But they, even still, anything that passively... Yeah, uh, keeps your mage away from all the squishy, or, or keeps your squishy mage away from all the things with sharp, pointy objects. It's true, and it's only I mean, one that's mana. Just phenomenal. It's only yes. one mana upkeep. However, they did, they did 
sort of cut us off at the pass here. <laughs> you may not cast this spell twice in order to generate a wave each round. It's That's true. not allowed, apparently. So, Even as is, it's still phenomenal good. battlefield control. It's I true. agree. It can be occasionally a little tricky to work because maybe it doesn't come the round when you need it, but as long as you... If you uh, it's cheap, it's effective. Right. Uh, but it is very inexpensive. Well, it's not to like. The only drawback I can I can see on that one is that it is strength might to resist. Mm-hmm. So when that hulking berserker is bearing down on your spirit mage, or the ogre, um, he's <laughs> he might just be making that test. That's yeah. right. But you know, if you're worried about getting backstabbed by uh, by harlequins, you could probably uh, keep them at bay. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then oh, here we go. Force field also unlocks another Are you ready? spell. It's called telekinetic weapons. weapons. It telekinetic is, weapons. It's very nice. It's very nice. Ah oh, man. It's so it's so nice. This one this one makes. <laughs> this, this is the one, reason we are alive. It's it's probably true. It's probably true. But if it di- if it did one or the other of the two effects that it does, mm-hmm. it would be a good spell. As is the it's fact absurd. that it does. Yeah, the fact that it does both. Is mind-boggling. It's crazy. Uh, So what telekinetic weapons does is for one minute, you and all your allies' readied weapons, which means they have to actually be holding them in their hands, um, are sheathed with telekinetic force. They deal extra damage equal to the the caster's magic, and they can perform the pierce armor stunt for one stunt point cheaper, which it calls out, can stack with other uh, things that to reduce, reduce, the, reduce the cost. So for, like rogues who can do pierce armor for one stunt point, it's for free then. Yep. Um, and, <laughs> and, and of course we've got a duelist who does penetrating damage when she does pierce armor. So this is, with a duelist, this spell goes from broken to just plain ridiculous. Does it? It doesn't work on ranged weapons. So no, it would not only help, melee. Right, it would not help your marksmen's. Nope. But even still, if you have even one or two party members that are benefiting from this, mm-hmm. being able to just hack through armor with ease and the the plus magic to damage. I mean, especially once you start being able to cast this spell reliably, mm-hmm. your magic is probably five, six, maybe seven. Who doesn't want that as a as a damage uh, bonus for every combat? This one's got a magic of nine. <laughs> and and as a GM, that just kind of wants makes you want to puke. <laughs> right. That makes uh, uh-huh. And of course you can also stack it with flaming weapons and frost weapons. That is really just the cherry to. on top. That's just the like, you know, we're not gonna put any sort of balance on this spell. Let's just make it completely stackable with all <laughs> the other buff. Abilities, I mean, you like, did have to work a little hard to get to this one. And it is you, a nasty target number yeah. for a lower level character. It's 17 true. is hard to 17 hit. 17 is not easy. It's true. But, but yeah, boy, but again, is it good. Once you're, once you're hitting that point where you have a 5, 6, 7 on 3d6, chances are you're going to make that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even if not, yeah. that's the sort of thing that I'm going to spend my next round doing. Yeah, man. Right? It's so worth it. It's so good. All right. Uh, following telekinetic weapons is a okay, is also an okay spell. <laughs> not not as I mean it's the hard to follow. It's a hard act to it, follow. It's a hard act to it, follow, but 
It's one of my favorites, if for no other reason than just the the visceral element of it. It's true. Ooh, yeah. Uh, the last spell on this tree is called Crushing Prison, where you uh, create a cage of force around an enemy that slowly starts to shrink in size. Um <laughs> The, yeah. the, the cage, not the enemy. The cage, yes. Um, it starts, it deals a little bit of damage on the first round, but then the enemy has to make a constitution stamina test, or they become, or the cage just immobilizes them, and they, they're they stuck there. And then the next round, it deals more damage, and by and not, and not like additional damage, it actually does like twice as much damage. Uh, yep. And then they have, and then they make another test, or they don't break the cage open. And then on the third one, it does like three d six plus magic damage. Yep. Uh, and then they, and but then after every round after that, it doesn't do anymore. They're um, just stuck. But this is one of those spells that doesn't end until the enemy makes their test to resist it. Which yep. means that uh, particularly weak foes with low strength and constitution can be stuck in this spell forever. <laughs> well, at least until they're a squishy little bit of goo. Correct. Uh, th- and it's, this can yep. make for some great archaeological storytelling. Uh, finding a skeleton wrapped in a crushing prison spell with a fine treasure stuck inside the piece you have to pry out or dispel the, the, the spell. Uh, can also lead to NPC uh, PCs meeting an NPC who has been trapped by a mage that they've been chasing and offering a favor in exchange for freeing them. Yeah, this is nasty. I like like a couple other spells. There's I think two other spells in the Spirit School that do this as well. That are where also where they not, just don't like, end. They don't end unless you make the test of resistance. I think I know of one of them I that we're going know. to be coming up against. Uh, there, it, it, that one and it's speaking older of cousin. visceral. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and also, like the spells Sleep and Horror from the uh, Entropy School also do this. Food for thought. Yeah. So, you know, those are the ones you watch out for because they make excellent storytelling fodder. Mm-hmm. I've always been a sucker for the the, the kind of force mage uh, archetype. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and, and obviously, we'll get to those. We'll get to those in just a little bit. But the the crushing prison is just oh, it's very force such mage. a such a neat image. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a little sad that unlike in the video games, you can't then cast a force field on it and cause a chain reaction that causes them both to explode. That would be Ooh. really interesting. Yeah. I, I never, yeah. I, I didn't play any mages in the, in Origins, but I after I went through and found that there were like spell combinations that they had, like if you put like an Inferno next to a Blizzard, next to a Tempest, you created the, a new spell called Storm of the Century. I was like, whoa, what have I been missing? <laughs> Bad day. Well, that's the uh, that's the mind that's the mind blast tree. Yeah, it's a nice Take one. It. It's a good tree. Uh, so, uh, moving right along, we're gonna go to the spell shield tree. This and is good too. This is the really anti magic tree of spells. These are all useful if you intend to be facing down a lot of mages in your campaign. Uh, spell shield, the first one in the line, is a defensive spell only for the caster, but at early levels, this can save a lot of headaches from other spellcasters. Uh, it, especially at early levels, it can eat away at your mana a little bit. Uh, how it works is you put it up, and I think it lasts only for your magic and rounds, but if anybody hits you with a spell, whether they catch you in the area of effect or specifically cast it at you, you can pay uh, the same mana that you can pay the same uh, mana that they paid to cast the spell to negate the spell's effect on yourself. And so, yeah. early levels when people are probably casting mm-hmm. things like flame blasts or uh, arcane bolts or mind blasts, you can probably get that up and not you lose too much mana. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially once you start getting into higher levels and folks are casting things like tempest or inferno or 
Death Hex or Walking Bomb, bomb. then uh, that could get a little pricey. So just be careful with that. Um, But you probably take Spell Shield so that you can learn Dispel Magic. This This one's important. It does exactly what it says in the tin. You point at somebody and you make a magic spirit test against spell power, up against the spell power of those effects that they have and any magic items they might have, you know, if the GM lets you. Uh, and you just make it all go away. No matter how many spells you have on them, if the magic spirit test you make uh, beats the spell power of the caster, the spell just ends. Mm-hmm. Um, the GM should probably take into account magical equipment, uh, as I could see this potentially coming up. Uh, it would be unkind to allow this spell to remove the magical qualities of equipment, as it seems to be intended to end the less permanent effect of spells. Yeah, that seems a little sketchy. Not only that, it's a bookkeeping nightmare. Yes, Ugh. correct. If then... you've ever been in another <laughs> game and walked into an anti-magic field... Uh, when 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 you have to play you know, Pathfinder and the like, where you have the yep. separate magic item sheet oh. that that's like the paper doll that shows you how much is there, yeah... Uh, you don't want to have to do that math, miserable. even in a even in a lighter game like the like in an age system game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't don't do it. Um, Not good. Let's see. And uh, an argument could be made. I thought maybe for allowing you to use it to deactivate a magic item for maybe like the caster's round magic and rounds, but that is going to be ultimately up to the GM. Mm-hmm. And then, I would say that in that case, you're targeting specifically the item. Like, yes. Yeah. Oh, he's using he's using the orb of Kerfluffle. Let's neutralize the orb. That way we can defeat it. I really want the orb of Kerfluffle. <laughs> I don't know what it does, but it sounds great. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's a horrible thing that evil mage is going for it. You've got to. Of course, uh, we got to stop it. Recover. We best recover it. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next spell is a, a nice one, a nice little buff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anti magic ward. You cast this on your friend, and I think it only hits one target, if I'm not mistaken. But um, when you cast it on them, for the rest of the encounter, they have a plus five on tests to resist people casting spells at them. Which, for your rogue rogue and warrior friends, who maybe didn't invest a lot of points in something like magic... And then you they, don't say. And then the enemies are casting things that require magic entropy tests. That never happens. This can be a lifesaver. Yes, it can. Or even just for yourself, if you're casting it on yourself and the people are expecting you to be making, like, strength might tests or constitution stamina or dexterity acrobatics or all these weird things yeah. that you're not investing in because you're a mage. Of course, you could probably just put spell shield on yourself. Correct. It's true. This one's a bit less, uh, this one does still overall. carry the chance of you getting hit by the spell, but it's less, I guess, uh, what is it, less maintenance? Yeah, a bit less Just maintenance. 10 mana, lasts for the mm-hmm. rest of the encounter. Or you could put both on, but it's pricey. That, that, that doesn't provide you with any benefit. <laughs> well, I mean, if the spell hits you anyway because you didn't ca- cause, if, cause you didn't have enough mana or you decided not to negate it, yeah. then you'd have the anti-magic board back on. Yeah, I don't think have, you can you choose not to negate it with spell mm-hmm. shield. I think spell shield just negates it until you, you run out of mana. You have, I mean, does it does it spell shield give you the option to do nope. it? Or does it say you just do it? You, yep. You must spend mana points equal to the spell's oh, base mana cost. Gotta keep that in mind. I've, I've been hmm. keeping it in mind myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mostly speaking to the ether. Oh, yes. I know you keep it in mind. I was gonna uh, you're, say, very, you're much better at keeping all this magic in mind than I am. Well, it's, part of, it's kind of my job. You're very good at it. Well, thank you. Um, 
And uh, the final the, the spell on the top of this tree is Anti-Magic Burst. It mm-hmm. is a worthy capstone of the tree. It works like Dispel Magic, but it hits all magical effects within an incredible 20-yard radius. When you need there absolutely not to be any magic around, you can't call the Templars, this is what you use. Precisely. And this is a high target number spell. You need to hit a 20 to make this happen. This is, I think, this is like the third most expensive spell to cast, except... You mean dangerous? uh, First, uh, I mean, expensive and also target number 20 is... That sure is, 20 mana. Mm-hmm. Oof. And yeah. a target number 20 to cast, yeah. so... There are only two spells that are harder to cast, and they're both nasty entropy spells. But, you know, 20 target number is pretty mean, but mm-hmm. you get to turn off all magic, and that does include your magic as well. Mm-hmm. If so you cast that telekinetic up. weapons on your friends, it's not there anymore. You're going to have to cast it again. Mm-hmm. But uh, speaking of things that ought to be necromancy, or ought to be uh, entropy <sighs> spells... Did you want to yeah. say something? Oh yeah, did you want to say something else about it? No, I was I was leading into the, to, to <laughs> oh, the good. walking bomb tree. Well, here we which, go. Which absolutely oh. feels like it should be entropy, but sits here in spirit magic as a as probably their best offensive option. It's true. It's ridiculous. It, I mean, and that capstone, how is this not entropy? <laughs> it's true. But yeah. we'll, we'll get right to it. Uh, so the first spell is Walking Bomb, obviously. You cast a spell on somebody, they immediately start taking uh, penetrating damage as their blood begins to boil. Uh, yep. And, while, and, and um, they get a test on their turns to resist it, and this is one of those spells that just goes on until they, until they make it. Yep, or uh, explode. Or explode, because if they die from Walking Bomb, they explode in a shower of gore. Uh, that deals 2d6 damage to anyone within four yards of them. Anyone within two squares of that poor sucker gets hit by their bone and bloods. The, um, Gross. Within, the, within the, the campaign I ran previously, this made for a phenomenal hostage situation. Oh, oh my goodness. As uh, a, a mage cast this on a party member. Ooh. And basically is negotiating terms with them in combat fully knowing <laughs> that she has dispel oh, doesn't know if they do or not they're trying attempting to dispel and she's like i will get rid of it if you do this Ooh. oh that's nasty that's me that Ooh. is a good use of walking <laughs> bomb mm-hmm. mm, didn't you guys do that Kind of not. We had somebody. You were chasing somebody down in the uh, the sewers. We used used it it because this was a bad person Mm -hmm. who had been sacrificing children, and we wanted them to be stopping doing that. It's true. And then they started to go out into the street, and that's when we had to dispel it because Mm. they were going to blow up in the streets of Denerim. It's true. That's generally a bad thing. Yeah, that was that would have been a bad. So not quite the same situation. No. Um, Definitely puts a mm-hmm. puts a ticking clock on your players right there. Uh huh. Um, the next spell is the cousin to death magic from the entropy school. I still don't know why this isn't entropy. Death siphon. Uh, it, it works just like death magic, where if anyone dies within six yards of you, then you get a little benefit. But it, death magic restores your health, while death siphon restores your mana. Now. You're pr- you'll probably catch pretty early on that not a lot of folks have a lot of magic. 
mm-hmm. in their magic, a lot of points in their magic score, which means that you're probably every time someone dies, you're probably just going to get one mana. Um, if you're fighting a lot of mages, though, you're probably going to be getting more out of it. So you get a point of mana for every point of magic that they had, which you know can keep you going a bit. If but you it, kill someone with a negative magic score, do you lose a point? That's a fair question. No, and it says that it's a minimum of one. Okay. You always get back at least one. Um, but that does require you to be within six yards of fo- of somebody who dies. Um, but, you know, there are defensive spells in the spirit school that can back you up. It's true. Like arcane shield and phage shield. Mm-hmm. Worth keeping in mind. Uh, next is uh, <laughs> Walking Bomb's uh, much cooler older brother. Virulent walking bomb. Oh man! Uh, it is a very lovely follow-up. The damage is much better. Like the first one does, like a D6 plus one penetrating damage every round. This one does. Uh, on the initial round, it's two D6 plus magic penetrating damage, uh, and then every round after that, it is one D6 magic plus, uh, plus magic penetrating damage. And that's it, it, much nicer, much nicer than yeah. the original. Um, and this one specifically calls uh, now the original walking bomb. They don't explode unless they die from the spell. Yes. Virulent Walking Bomb does not have that same requirement. If they die while the spell is on them, they explode. Um, <laughs> and to make it even better... Yep. Andy, you were going to say? Oh, just the, uh, just the fact that um, if they die, anyone hit by that, mm-hmm. by that has a chance to become their own Walking Bomb. <sighs> Precisely. Everybody who is within four yards of that poor sucker who blew up gets affected by the spell. They make their own constitution stamina test versus your spell power minus two. Um, or they start having their blood boil. And they all explode if they die while it's on them. Fortunately, once they explode, we're done here. Yes. Like, it doesn't just keep transferring until you've blown up everyone in Bell Royale. Like... At that point, how many more explosions do you need? Yeah, how many more gore explosions do we really have to have? That is going to draw a lot of attention. <laughs> might might be a few Templars. Specifically Templar attention. Might be a lot of Templars. Angry. <laughs> the Templars hear an explosion and see like a jawbone fly <laughs> right in front of them. They're like, you should probably go take a look. <laughs> um, I didn't. Um, I, I, and then the last spell is definitely the most entropy of these spells. How is Animate Dead a spirit spell? Okay, I mean, I kind of get it, but right, at the same time... Right, Because it's... Because you have spirits Necromancer is an entropy specialization. Right, right. Why is Animate Dead a spirit spell? Because you're asking the spirits to be the puppet Then masters. why isn't Necromancer... Okay. <laughs> it, it does strain credulity just a little. Just a bit. But right, here it is. It's the capstone of the walking bomb tree. You can animate a corpse. Um, it's, uh, I believe it's for yep, You have minutes. to touch a corpse. Yep, minutes equal to your magic or until you tell them to stop. Um, and it says that you can just use, like, the regular skeleton stats in the back of the book. Or if you happen to find a particularly large corpse. If you've got, like say, a, a dead dragon. Like a dead dragon. Then, you know, the GM might have to whip up some stats for you. Dracolich, anyone? Yeah. <laughs> Giants, giants, uh, ogres, dark, yes, uh, the dark spawn of various Vartaril. types. Vartaril, well, oh, actually, Vartaril don't die. They don't do that thing. They don't die. No, uh, maybe like a um, 
uh, a Gurn or some other mm-hmm. big beastie. Yes, definitely. Those big old bears from Inquisition. Oh, oh bears. <laughs> bears. <laughs> Dead <laughs> bears. Undead bears. Oh, no. That's not what we need. Zombie bears. No. Zombie bears? Oh, man. Oh, shudder. That's, uh, the the hinterlands just got a lot worse. Didn't they just? So, you know, that's fun. Um, let's see. There are a couple of other spells that are kind of outliers. Um, mm-hmm. Like the specialization specific spells, which we won't go into too much detail about because we did do episodes about them already. Um, but we can say a couple things about them. Uh, first would be the Arcane Warrior's spell, Aura of Might. It just... Plus two to melee damage for, I think, like a minute. Something like that. It's solid. I don't have it up right now. Mm-hmm. If, you if like. you're going to be in mm-hmm. melee, this is a spell to cast. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does require you to be an arcane warrior. If you'd like to learn more about arcane warriors, you can check about episode 26. Um, and then, of course, some of the more iconic ones that are showing up here are the Force Mage spells. Fist of the Maker, Telekinetic Burst, and Pull of the Abyss. All of which are super solid. Yeah, if you want to fling dudes around, you need to do spirit magic. Oh, I yeah. mean, that's pretty much what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. If you want to throw dudes across the battlefield, spirit magic plus force mage equals win. Oh yeah, force mage is like magic. Spirit magic and force mage are like the perfect combo. It is. It is the thing to do. Yes. Yep. You slam people to the ground. You throw them away, or you pull them all together. Honestly, spirit is an interesting school in that it works well with pretty much any other school that it's paired with. It's true. It is a very, very complimentary school. It doesn't really matter what you're putting it with. But that comes with that versatility element. It's not primarily offensive-focused. It's not Mm -hmm. primarily, you know, utility-focused. It has little bits of here and there, and it makes it a... A really beastly school. It does. Telekinetic weapons, oh dear god. Oh, oh man. man. In my opinion, this is probably the most mechanically powerful school. I I would not argue against that. No, that's, uh, that's a solid assessment. Yeah. Now, uh, there are a couple of more outliers, because these are spells that are unique to the Dragon Age role-playing game, because you only unlock them by taking degrees in the Spirit Magic Talent, which we'll also go over. Mm-hmm. Because there are a couple of clever uses on its own, uh, besides the usual standbys of extra spells and uh, mana discounts that, mo- that all the magic uh, talents give you. Uh, first is the novice degree, which allows you to read the emotional states of people you see with a minor action. The GM just gives you one word to describe how that how that character is feeling. Um, and this can be useful for social encounters or to even see when trouble starts to brew amongst a crowd. Mm-hmm. You do need to focus on people to do it. Like, you have to pick people to do it, yes, I believe. it takes a minor action. But it's, uh, it's a useful ability, especially if you, say, don't have a very good perception empathy... And you just kind of want to cheat. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, that's a good workaround, especially for that that empathy. Um, it definitely makes you know the the bookish mage a little more useful in, uh, in a social setting. I tell you mm-hmm. what, I wish I had that in real life. That would be just, that would just make my life so much easier. Wouldn't that be nice? Human lie detector. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Um, the Journeyman Degree uh, opens up two new spells that are unique to the RPG, uh, and of course gives you that lovely extra spell and mana discount. We always need those. These are both cool. One of them is way more powerful than people give it credit for. That's true. Uh, mm, yeah. 
The first, so these are both unique to the tabletop game. Uh, the first one is called Dows. This is neat. It's neat. Uh, you reach out within 100 yards of you to locate a specific kind of object, and they cite you can look for, like, the nearest source of, clo- of, of clean water, or the uh, see, or maybe, like, the nearest piece of jewelry, uh, or you can use it to find something specific. Like the jeweled scepter that we're looking for. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And it'll give you uh, some ways to... It's got a really surprisingly high target number, though. A 17 is a lot for something like this. It's true. This would be the saddest way to become an abomination ever. <laughs> Where did I leave my keys? <laughs> like, that's, that's so sad. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just telling it like it is. Right. So... <laughs> Crap. <laughs> The other spell is Dream Sending, yes. which is uh, just what it sounds like. Uh, yeah. Being able so to good. send messages and, and the like through your dreams. Creating a dream uh, for a subject to witness the next time they would fall asleep. Uh, important note, there's no uh, test to resist this. It's nope. just going to happen. If you want somebody to dream something... They're going to dream it. This is one of the best ways to communicate with people far away that this game has. Mm -hmm. Or to really mess with somebody. Oh boy, yeah, you can Mm -hmm. screw with people really, really well. That'd be a, that'd be an interesting plot hook of some you know a mage rival of someone just literally every night. Oh, it's bedtime time to cast dr- dream sending and just bombarding them with nightmare after nightmare and Oof. waiting to see what entities in the fade just kind of decide to show up in their psyche. Or or just play the same song in their head every night for a solid hour every night. <laughs> oh man, this seems like this would probably be some. Interesting intrigue into Vinter. Yes. Uh, keep in mind that this does not work on people who don't dream. So if your target is a dwarf or one of the Tranquil, it will not work. Nope. It should probably work on the Kunari. It, they claim Kunari they don't do dream. They do dream, apparently. <laughs> they claim they don't dream, but, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, they but go to, we, we know. Admitting weakness is against the Kun. It's true. Don't yep. do that. Yep. Uh... Then, finally, the Master Degree of the Spirit Magic Talent has a really, really slick power. So nice. In addition to getting a free spell, because that's always nice. Oh, yes. Um, whenever you would regain mana, whether it's from like a special ability, or it's from a mana potion, or act like touching a lyrium vein in the Fade, um, if you would roll d6s to determine how much mana you get, you can choose to re-roll the amount that you got, and take the second roll. Yep. Super useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, any any sort of mitigation uh, power like that that lets you, you know, maximize the amount of the amount of benefit you're going to get from, especially a disposable item like a like a lyrium potion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just sweet beans and gravy. That's Absolutely, true. it's so nice. It's uh, when you roll snake eyes on that lyrium potion. <laughs> It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Right, I'm going to try that again. Then you can roll Jessica's on that, and it'll, it'll work just fine. Are you talking about rolling threes? <laughs> I'm talking about rolling threes. Are you mad because you rolled a bunch of threes last night? I rolled night? a bunch of threes the other day, and it's because she was sitting next to me. I have a certain amount of bad luck. You married me. You chose this life. It's true. It's infectious. It's, it is actually it's infectious, apparently. It's virulent. Oh, no. <laughs> virulent dice luck? 
Oh, yep. no. I'd be glad not... you're not playing Savage Worlds. Your dice would explode. I guess I'm just... <laughs> I'm glad I just never made the never made the uh, target number to get rid of it, and now I'm stuck forever. Just stuck with it forever. Yeah. Well, uh, is there anything else we want to say about Spirit Magic while we're here? No, just... Uh phenomenal school lots of lots of opportunities for pretty much anything you could want to do magic wise yes definitely worth exploring like i was baffled that people picked this this school last yeah because it is in my opinion the breakaway best school in the game heck yeah it's it's so versatile and capable and potentially hilarious and just I, I think it might have been that, that versatility that, that kind of got it knocked down in the poll because entropy is very easy to, to, to latch on to. It's like hexes and necromancy and draining people of their life. Primal is very easy to latch on to. I'm going to fling fire and mm-hmm. lightning and, you know, fling the elements around. Creation, same thing. It's I'm, gonna, I'm going to shape things and make things. Whereas spirit is is a grab bag. It's a little bit of everything. And mm-hmm. you know, when we're sitting here asking why is why is this spell here and not necessarily an entropy, um, it's a it's a little unfocused. But Fair. man, the some of the options you have in that unfocused school are just brilliant. They are. Truth. Well, this has been quite the spirited conversation. Indeed. <laughs> but uh, we should probably go ahead and sign off. We've said plenty, and folks can check out Spirit School for themselves, of course. Um, Mm -hmm. Andy, do you have PDFs of this adventure that you have written? Uh, I will be releasing that after Gen Con. Okay, so if you want, if you want to see it, you got to come play it first. Fair enough. All right then. I guess that's how it goes. Uh, Yeah. Take (laughs) a look when the Gen Con event schedule goes live. Uh, Silver wings on a black wall. Yes. Seven p.m. Thursday. Seven p.m. Friday. And 9 a.m. on Sunday. Sounds good. We look forward to it. Yeah, and then we'll have to put it on our website once it comes, once it gets live, so that everybody can use it. Yeah. And of course, everybody's invited to WitCon. Everybody. March 24th. That does sound like a blast. I need my orc and pie. <laughs> it's waiting <laughs> for you. I need this Wittenberg experience. University, Springfield, Ohio. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening oh, to the Wonders of Things podcast. Were we going to have a post show at some point? I, I forget. What how we're do you? Doing. How are you feeling, Andy? We were. T- we, I'm all right. We, uh, we were going to talk extra credits. Okay. If memory oh serves. yes, 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 yes. We'll talk it for a bit. Uh, but first, uh, thank you all so much for listening to the Wonders of Things podcast. We hope to have you again on next time. This is Ren wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. This is Jessica wishing you good heels and happy feels. And this is Andy keeping the dread wolf off your trail. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time. We'll talk to you next time, guys. Cheers. You really spend most of your time in the Fade? As much as is possible. The Fade contains a wealth of knowledge for those who know where to look. Sure, but... I don't know how you dream, let alone wander around in there. Especially when the shit that comes out of the Fade generally seems pretty cranky. So are humans. But we continue to interact with them when we must. Welcome to the post show. We actually have one today. We actually have one now. This is...
check this out. Um, Madness. For those of you who don't know, um, let's see, a couple other podcasts on the D20 Radio Network like to do this, and it's it's kind of fun uh, when we've got time and the energy for it. But mm-hmm. um, our whole our regular show is done. We're just going to be... You know, shooting yammering. the breeze. Yammering. Talking about you whatever comes to You can go home if you us. want, guys. So the rest of the show is over. If you want to go, that's fine. You're probably not going to miss anything too vital, but, you know. I mean, we're just going to talk about one of the coolest YouTube uh, yeah. channels ever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just It, uh, it is among my uh, extra credits. The, the, uh, have you started the extra sci- sci-fi one? Um, we've done yes. the first couple of those the and first really enjoyed them. Yeah. 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 But, uh, extra I mean, history is where it's at, though. I'm yeah. I'm in love with extra history. <laughs> I've, I've kind of gotten uh, my wife Jules uh, hooked on that one. She um, she works at the Boonchoff Children's Museum, so she's always looking for women scientists and like. So the one on Mary Seacole yes. was, a, yeah. was, uh, was a big one for her, and the um, the South Street Pump. Yes, uh, the one with Jon Snow and the uh, the yes. sort of sanitation uh, yep. revolution. Yeah, that's, that was just brilliant. So and good. I really appreciated the the one they did recently on Kosrau. Yeah. Uh, in the in the Iranian Empire, especially in juxtaposition to, to the one they did on Justinian. Yes. They mm-hmm. very much valorized Justinian throughout history. And, you know, he's, he did a lot of great things, but he was also kind of a dick. And, yeah. But so was Kosrau. So but, was yeah. Kosrau. Human, yeah. Humans are kind of garbage sometimes. Yeah. People sort of are more thing. complex than than mytholo- mythologized figures. Yes. Who knew? Yeah. Imagine. Who but, saw that coming? Yeah. But yeah, it's part of my almost daily rotation uh, to through to watch you know their their different videos. Yeah. And there's there are so many there's so much of a backlog of extra credits episodes i could literally just turn it on while i'm at, while i'm at work put it put in the headphones and just listen to uh listen to their series it's true well, what is the name Continue. of the guy who narrates everything because he's got a lovely voice <sighs> daniel something it is daniel something. The, the the writer is james Portnow. Mm-hmm. hang on we we have the internet we can <laughs> you know we can do this we live in that age yeah, I also I really liked the one they did about the or the two they did about the Christmas Eve uh, armistice or the Christmas oh, Day armistice. Yeah. Oh, that one and, got uh, me. Oh, and the uh, the one about the five nations. Yes, that one's so cool. Hiawatha. The Haudenosaunee and uh, all that. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are good. Daniel Floyd. Daniel, Daniel Floyd. Floyd. Okay, cool. Okay. Daniel Floyd, James Portnow, and kind of rotating artist. You know they yes. made a uh, well at least extra credits made a sort of guest appearance in the credits of YouTube Rewind this year. I saw that. That was uh, that was amusing. That was pretty exciting. They deserved it. They absolutely do. Yeah. I love playing Where's Walpole too. That's another one of my favorite things oh, to God, do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, glorious bastard that he is. Oh, friggin' Walpole. Mm-hmm. What a jerk. Oh man. Um, I, I appreciate also the fact that uh, after each of the extra history episodes, they're willing to go back and put forward, you know, where they might have embellished or where they got different sources. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and that in and of itself has, dev- has invited a fair amount of scholarly debate. Like, within my own sphere, coming uh, from the Crusades history, I, I'm a big follower of Brundage and one of the figures that they kind of, I don't want to say brushed over because they, they did talk about him a fair amount is Beaumont of Toronto. 
and not Toronto, Canada, Toronto, yeah. TA. Yeah. Um, and Bohemond and his uh, his nephew Tancred were probably, you know, to to my mind and you know, in the mind of the scholars that I've read, um, really, if you're going to put someone as as the um, military genius of that campaign, they were they were the ones who were, you know, masterminding it. Um, now they didn't necessarily have the men uh, uh, as compared to Raymond or the like, but they they were undoubtedly the the most capable com- field commanders. And damned if uh, uh, Bohemond wasn't a greedy, you know, out for himself <laughs> mercenary. Uh, they were. I mean, spoiler alert: everyone was a jerk. Spoiler <laughs> alert: everyone's still a jerk. <laughs> Number one rule of macroeconomics: humans are garbage. <laughs> well, there is that. Yeah, <laughs> there's um, some pretty amazing folks out there, and they they I love that they tell it in the con. They don't tell it, you know, in the context of just like rattling off facts like they do in a history book, but they mm-hmm. they actually tell it like they tell it like a story. Yeah, which is uh, which in and of it's very engaging, and I, I've yes. seen it used in classrooms. I've seen it used. Uh, in a number of different settings. Well, it, make, uh, it makes it a much more effective things. pedagogical tool. Like, it's yeah. so much better for that. Like, I even... Oh, fun fact. I uh, I am, you know, legally bound. I can't say what my essay was about on my GRE. But I can mm-hmm. say that I used Admiral Yi as an example in it. And awesome. I can thank Extra History for that. They gave me some <laughs> of the better examples I needed to use Admiral Yi in my GRE essay. Mm-hmm. And I got a good score on it. So thank you, Extra mm-hmm. History. Admiral Yi sounds like one of those particular people in history who was not garbage. They yes. just yeah. <laughs> just worked really hard all the time. Well, even though his story is sort of like a Confucian fable, like it may not be it's entirely true. accurately exactly Probably. that way, but just what a what a cool dude though. What an amazing person to sort of effectively teach himself naval warfare while engaging in <laughs> naval warfare for the first time. Like yeah, never uh... lost a battle like that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Madness. Super cool. But and the, and the fact that they're willing to go to different cultures. It's not. It's not. Oh, yeah. oh yes. Particularly Western focused. It's not particularly, you know, Eurocentric. It's you know, that when they when they have stuff going on in uh, far uh, Far East Asia and Africa and the Middle East and mm-hmm. you know, it's not it's not just another trip through Greece and Rome. Mm-hmm. That South Sea bubble. One was a, that, was a trip from start to finish. It was a ride mm-hmm. from start to finish, and it was the introduction of Walpole, which in and of itself yep. made it great. <laughs> yeah, uh, Walpole and uh, Otto von Bismarck. Yes, yes, I love they're Bismarck. Magnificent bastards. <laughs> their uh, their version of Bismarck reminds me of an ideologically opposite version of my father. So I have fondness <laughs> for him. Just like my dad is that kind of person where he just sort of does things. Like, he just sort of decides, I'm going to do this thing. And then he does the thing. And it miraculously works out in his favor. Like, that's just my father. And so that's... seeing Otto von Bismarck having the same sort of magical get-out-of-jail-free card that never expires was was comforting in a weird way. <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> but the um, the new sci-fi ones uh, have been particularly good. Uh, they've They finished up... Um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, mm-hmm. uh, and have moved on to. They're doing some Gibson and now Bradbury. 
Okay. Uh, we're oh, just Bradbury. Now, yeah, just now starting the Martian Chronicles. Very nice. So, uh, so that's been exciting. I I would love though to see a straight up horror movie version of the Becoming Kind. At this point, I'm uh, not familiar with it. Oh, it, it's Gibson at his Gibsoniest. <laughs> I love but, when people make adjectives out of other people's good. names. I'm allowed. I was an English major. I yep. have that skill. Oh yes, I, <laughs> I, I share I that. Trouble. I share that ability. Yeah, but um, it's it is straight up existential horror fodder. Okay, sounds and good to me. Done done proper. I mean, you wouldn't. You could keep just the barest elements of the of the the kind of cyberpunk genre and milieu with it, and and may and play it just straight to the hilt, and it would be utterly terrifying. Oh man! So, hmm. but well, I'm down. Yeah, well, watch that it, episode. It's it's good. Gotcha. We'll have to do that. We'll do. Well, Always down for more of watching extra whatever they've got going because they're they're mm-hmm. they're just good. Yeah, and I mean they make it. They make being a nerd about you know like the a, a classical sort of academia nerd. I feel like they're making it more accessible. I don't know if that's yeah. like I think that's a great thing. Like I think that being able to be excited about and fascinated by people in history and objects of uh, sort of culture and the way things are written and the way things are sold, even like just being able to get interested and involved with the academic aspects of those things is such a fun and uh really cool thing to be able to do and i i like it it's, i want everybody else to get to do it too yeah it's the sort of thing that just gets lost so often because it gets trapped in academia I mean, yeah when it you can find this this amazing historical fact or person or artifact or you know what have you and yeah, it's great if you can talk about it with a history professor or, you know, a museum curator. But when you're talking to Jim Bob on the street, it unless you find a way to make that accessible, exactly. It, it, it's of no use to you. So to me, it I mean, having this sort of thing that that blends that entertainment aspect in it that tells a good story and and makes it amusing to watch is is phenomenal i mean they're doing they're doing good work they yes. are so uh if for some reason they hear this you know anybody who works on that particular uh, youtube channel kudos we love your work and make one on shagrat aldur you heard the man you heard him do that one <laughs> Little cat, are you kidding me? She just pulled the microphone off the table. I'm like, this is mine now. Little, um, I think Kitty might be telling us it's time to go. I think Maybe. she might be. Come hang out. I'm bored. You know, it's time Fine. to pay attention to this little cat, apparently. So. All right. Well, it's been good having you on, Andy. This has been a lot of fun. Hey. My pleasure, guys. And offer still stands. You want to come out for WitCon? We've got space for you. Oh, yeah. man. We, we it'll, might take... Cost- It'll cost you gas, basically. That is a pretty good deal. Well, (laughs) gas and ten dollars, but that sounds like more than worth it. If you run a game, you get in free. What? I might have. I might have to run something. I might just spend all my time in the pie place. Like, (laughs) (laughs) can I go again? Can I just go again? (laughs) Oh, more pie.
Uh, well, yeah. yeah. Well, if we're available, we'll definitely take you up on that. Awesome. Yeah, just keep me posted. Will do. All right. Alrighty. Well, if you stuck, uh, listeners, if you stuck with us this far, uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us a little bit extra time. Hope we <laughs> were able to uh, help you have a good, a good evening, good morning. What are you having right now? Whatever it is, I hope it's good. Yeah. Indeed. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye now. Cheers.